It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and we got uh, an interesting show uh, for sure today. This week, we've been looking at some of the different uh, races coming up in the uh, primary, which is just less than two weeks away. Mostly, we've been talking about the uh, redistricting and how that has impacted uh, incumbent candidates and new candidates and so on. But um, one of the races uh, in our area that uh, a lot of people are paying attention to, of course, is the race for mayor of the city of Flint. Three candidates will appear on the ballot setting the stage for what many people believe will be a rematch between our current mayor, incumbent Sheldon Neely, and our former mayor, Karen Williams-Weaver. And uh, I've invited all three of the candidates, uh, uh, Eric Mays in the third half of our three-hour tour and Karen Weaver in the middle of our three-hour tour, but uh, it seemed appropriate to start out this morning with our incumbent mayor, Sheldon Neely, who joins me now by phone. Good morning, Sheldon. Welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, and it's great to hear from you and talk to you again. Um, have things, has it been kind of tricky exercising uh, the office of mayor during the pandemic? Has that been kind of a challenge? Absolutely. You know, four months into my term, and it's a small modified term, and that's why people see the mayor's office a year early. It was only a three-year term, so we've only been in the office about two and a half years. Uh, but through that two and a half years, you know, most of it has been uh, in the pandemic. And so, yes, it's very difficult to navigate, but we've been at the intersection of crisis for pretty much uh, uh, my full tenure. Uh, not only with the pandemic, you know, ongoing water crisis, as well as a financial crisis and also civil civil unrest is what we've seen across the country. And so uh, it's been challenging, but we have been able to handle ourselves uh, marvelously. You know, and one of the things when we talk about this is uh, with this particular race, it's, it's wonderful only because all the candidates that people have the opportunity to choose from has a, a level of a record uh, of service for the community. Mine goes from a uh, city council person uh, to state representative, and now I'm as mayor. And I'm just so so happy to, uh, to report that we have done marvelous things never done before. Uh, and so when you hear these other candidates out there talking about it, I wish they would refer more to the record of service for the residents of the great city of Flint. And I can refer to mine, and I think if people look at uh, the records, it's, it's no real 
decision to be made because we have a, a record of success uh, and also uh, proven ability to improve the quality of life for residents inside the city of Flint. Mayor, you know me too well. I was just going to ask about uh, your background and um, the fact that you served on the Flint City Council. You were also in the state legislature before becoming mayor. Have those previous experiences helped you in uh, carrying out your duties as mayor? Absolutely, because it's a level of partnership in which you have to engage in and understand each role and responsibility. And I understand them very, uh, very well on each level. Uh, but the level of a city council person perfecting more ordinances, quiet life ordinances than any other city council a person prior or after me. Uh, at the state level, you know, working in an environment uh, as a minority, meaning I was in the Democratic Party uh, and serving in a, a, a state representative's house that was Republican and Senate and a Republican governor for most of my tenure uh, and being able to actually get things done. Uh, for residents not only in the state of Michigan, but for, for my district. And so that level of partnership carries over to mayor, where we just negotiated a quarter billion dollars of activity getting beyond our structural deficit. And this uh, engages a, a level of relief for us because we've been dealing with a structural deficit and no other administration or emergency management has really uh, perfected the way to deal with that. And so only by the measurement of partnerships and the level my experience on all levels, helped me engage that partnership, and we have uh, perfected that. Retirees in the city of Flint no longer have to worry about it. Uh, the structural deficit or financial failure of the city of Flint, we are over, uh, you know, over that particular piece now, uh, strengthening, uh, strengthening the region of Genesee County. Um, and so those are the real things that we have uh, accomplished here. You know, uh, on the recreation side, we brought a state park to the city of Flint, first state park in Genesee County. Also, the largest demolition pr program that's been developed uh, in Genesee County uh, with the, uh, the program that we have partnered with the county uh, and also the philanthropic community uh, to be able to demo all vacant abandoned structures inside the city of Flint and the county by 2024. And so we've done well uh, on all levels. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about the budget because... Um, that is something that's that's always been challenging for Flint, which has had uh, um, basically deteriorating uh, uh, revenue streams because of uh, shrinking population and the loss of some big corporate um, businesses, GM jobs and, and plants and so on. And it's been very difficult for Flint to manage its finances. Are, are some of the recent gains due to um, just good fiscal management, or has has COVID relief money uh, given a, a, a little boost to um, cities like Flint? And and this is one-time money. What happens when this money runs out? Well, all of the above, I and mean, we have to have a, a good understanding of what these things are, right? COVID relief dollars, uh, we received $94.7 million to backfill all the gaps left by uh, that deadly pandemic that was uh, pillaging the world. Uh, that's different than the structural budget in which we have. You know, revenues are, are down because of people in evacuation of the, uh, of the city of Flint. Revenues were down, right? Collecting only about $56 million in revenue and spending about $64 
billion dollars uh, in expenditures. And so you understand what that is. That's a structural deficit. Most of that deficit was caused because of our obligation to our pension system. Our pension system was, was uh, getting ready to balloon next year to about $40 million. We currently pay about $32 million. When I took office, we were paying about $21 million. So uh, that was a cost that was uh, you know, too big and is causing a structural deficit. Meaning that you know, paying that bill you know, took away from every other services that we had to provide for residents inside the city of Flint. That had never been talked about or, uh, or challenged uh, in previous years. You know, the previous administration had never challenged that. Uh, the emergency managers uh, could not overcome that. But the only way that we could overcome it is through a partnership level and getting that $220 million to uh, be able to uh, fund our pension system. We have one working employee to every four retirees, and you can see where that goes. Um, but now because we got those dollars in our structural um, you know, in our structural system, we can actually execute upon those American Rescue Plan dollars to the full benefit of residents inside the city of Flint. And so, you know, it, it takes a, a huge understanding of what that is. You know, prior to um, my arrival, uh, previous administrations, uh, they would borrow or take money from our water sewer fund. Uh, and, and that's one of the reasons that the water rates are so uh, consistently high in our region. Uh, because they were taking money from that enterprise fund, put it into the general fund operations to cover some of the obligations there. We don't do that. Uh, my, I, I don't do that. That's one of the instructions in which I gave because I have that experience to understand that people don't pay their water bill to pay for other services inside the city. And so we're reversing that, and we reverse that, and now we're looking at ways to reduce water costs for residents. Uh, even as uh, late as last night, uh, we put before the city council uh, $300 water credit to come from the American Rescue Plan uh, for the benefit of residents in uh, paying their, their water bill, uh, essentially reducing their, their water costs by one-fourth uh, for this year. Uh, that uh, was delayed and stalled by city council. Um, but, you know, uh, we, we still have to get through this political this political realm. And we, uh, we have to really work together. We are one flint. Having... <laughs> Is a, there's so many things to unpack there, uh, Mayor. That let me let me start with this. Um, your experience on the city council uh, as a member of the city council. I remember during the time you were on the council, there was um, a workshop or or a budget school that council members went to, and I was going to ask if that has. Uh, informed you going further and how your experience on the council has um, ha has affected your ability to work with the council as mayor. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things that, you know, did not, did not continue. You know, uh, we had continuous education and educational opportunities to further our skills as legislators and also understanding the role and responsibility in which we were elected to uh, when I was there. Uh, and also my experience on the Civil Service Commission prior to me becoming a city council person assisted me in my uh, learning opportunities. But now, you know, you have a council that's elected and then they just start, you know, no orientation, no training. Uh, they just start. And so uh, it's very difficult to sometimes ramp up to speed. And you know this in any particular job or environment. Uh, you have to have a level of orientation and introduction and training. Uh, and then also continuous training because, you know, legislation is a moving thing. It's living 
living pieces that we have to always learn how to do so. And so that has been, um, you know, somewhat problematic. Uh, uh, we have counsel, you know, we have uh, at least three lawsuits from council members suing each other. Uh, and that takes away from uh, our, our, our city dollars that we can provide, provide services for residents. Uh, when they sue each other or lawsuits, we have to defend the lawsuit, and also we have, have to and sometimes accrue the cost uh, of that lawsuit, you know, um, and we've seen that. We've seen that happen. Uh, there's a current lawsuit going on right now uh, where uh, one of the mayoral candidates is suing his council colleagues right now. Um, and so those dollars are, uh, you know, are paid for from our tax base. And it is just one of the things that's very frustrating to me to have a, a, a level of infighting whereby it hurts and harms the public in our way that we have to, um, a responsibility to protect our, our dollars. And so, uh, yes, you know, training is important, uh, to go back to your question. And, and we did that prior in prior years with other councils. Uh, the council that I served on with Jim Ananek, uh, Dale Wayhill, uh, Scott Kincaid. Uh, so we had uh, a level of, uh, of, you know, understanding on how to work on the best interest of the public. Um, and and what about the time that you spent in Lansing? How has that helped you um, in terms of of representing Flint as mayor to the the governor and the legislature in Lansing? Well, you know, working through a partnership and being able to work close close to the middle, you know, because I served as as a Democrat in a Republican controlled environment, and you cannot get anything done unless you're uh, understanding the measurement of negotiation and, and uh, to bring about a benefit back home. Uh, and that's why, you know, even now it is still a Republican house and a Republican Senate. Uh, but the, the Genesee County delegation, you know, led by Senator Annanek, uh, John Cherry Jr. And also Cynthia state representative, Cynthia Neely, uh, they were able to bring the most money from the, the, the Michigan state budget than ever before. And understanding the role and responsibility of what their you know what they had to do and the challenges that we faced, they were able to deliver for this region. Uh, you know, the, the Flint is stronger now, which strengthens the other 32 units of government inside of Genesee County. This stabilizes our region. Uh, people have to understand what that really means to us. Uh, it allows us to probably put 11 million dollars back into the services uh, of, of providing essential services for residents: police, fire. Uh, garbage, um, you know, parks and rec, you know, and those recreational opportunities. And so it's really important to understand what that is. And, and we've been hard at work, you know, doing those things. Mayor, I have to, uh, I have to go to a break here. And I um, would like to ask if, if you'd be willing to stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more. There's a lot to talk about. Absolutely. All right. My guest is uh, Flint Mayor Sheldon Neely. We're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break. They are WFOV, our voice is Radio 92.1 FM in Flint. They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring. And uh, if you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll have more with Mayor Sheldon Neely coming up right after this. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-Double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner Program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places. So be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You are, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Babies come with lots of decisions. Cloth or disposable? Crib or bassinet? So when it comes to protection, go with the safest, most effective choice, vaccination. Get all the recommended vaccines for your baby by age two to protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation with Flint Mayor Sheldon Neely uh, this morning on the show. Sheldon, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Well, it was wonderful commercials. I just never, I didn't have a drop in there. I see other individuals, Jim Ananek and Dan Kildee. Uh, I, I do have a pretty good radio voice, and I don't have a face for television, but I would love to, to do a <laughs> drop for you at one point in time. Well, actually, we do have a drop from you that comes up right after the uh, ID for the 10 o'clock hour. And you were in that spot, by the way. You were the one who said, Tom's my friend. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I missed that one. I missed that one. Um, yeah, that was uh, uh, from a press conference you held at City Hall some time uh, time ago. But uh, I want to unpack a couple of things that you alluded to in the last segment, if we could, Mayor. The... Um, we were talking about some of the difficulties during the last two and a half years since you've been mayor, um, or, or I guess it's been a little longer than that, but we were talking about the pandemic, and you mentioned um, civil unrest, and all over the country there were um, demonstrations and uh, some things that, that turned violent reactions to police shootings and and other events uh, there's uh, sadly there are so many I don't want to start listing them all but why do you think Flint which is known for being kind of a violent city why have the protests in Flint in the wake of these events not become violent you know Tom you know when we look at those things you have to be proactive as a leader right Right now, the city of Flint is still under a gun violence emergency, in which I declared last year. Also, with the police and uh, police engagement, we also engage in uh, de-escalation tactics with our officers. As mayor, I ban no-knock search warrants and also ban chokeholds. Um, and so we went after that proactively and engaged those things. Also, you know, to, to cut and curb violence, we know that gun violence has, uh, you know, a huge uptick across our country. But one of the things I also I've done when I came into office, every illegal confiscated weapon by law enforcement, we destroy. Prior to me arriving, uh, you know, I'd look at it as a gross lack in critical thinking. Every illegal weapon confiscated by law enforcement was re-auctioned and repopulated back out into the public. Many people don't understand and know that was going on, that when illegal weapons are taken out of people's hands that possesses those weapons illegally, those weapons were reactivated and put back on the streets de facto making every resident inside the city of Flint an arms dealer. And when we look at urban communities and black communities across the nation, whether it's Chicago, Compton, California, Detroit, or Flint, we are plagued with gun violence. I mean, in parts of our, in our neighborhoods, you know, we hear gunfire all through the night. And for, uh, for the city to be in a chain, to be able to populate guns into activity where it could harm us or our families, it just showed poor leadership when they were sold. I don't care what they said they were doing with the money, but, you know, one deficit that we can never overcome is a death deficit. And so um, one thing about it is that we destroy every weapon uh, illegally, uh, well, when it's confiscated and they possess the weapon illegally or, and or if it's in a crime, we destroy that weapon. You know, it, it it's important to look at, at gun violence in cities like Flint, but I was thinking, what is it about the people of Flint when they protest that they don't become violent, as we saw in, uh, well, up, up near uh, 
Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, and and in some other cities around the country. Um, what is it about the people of Flint where it can be such a violent city, but then when it comes time to protest and demonstrate, that's done fairly peacefully? Well, you know, I give credit to some of our residents and the way that we engage them. You know, what we engage them with the level of partnership in mind, right? So we understand the frustrations and the pain that's going on. When we saw what happened to George Floyd, you know, the miracle was upset and rattled when you watched that video uh, with, with the officer kneeling on his neck. That is pain that has been uh, in the hearts and minds of many African Americans through our country. This is not something new. You know, the dominant tendencies of American society has, you know, said that you, know, that you have the oppressed and you have the oppressor. And so things like that are rough in our nation. We have to engage uh, in a positive, proactive way. As an African American man, I understand the pain uh, that uh, society feels uh, when that happens, but we also have to uh, engage and direct our energies in a positive change. That's why, you know, we put into action the Crown Act. You know, you cannot discriminate against any individual uh, because of their hairstyle, knowing if you have braids, you may be black. And so we put that into a uh, procedure and we activated that into current policy. Uh, uh, we uh, bias crime reporting. You cannot just call 911 because you see somebody of color walking up and down your streets. We put that into action. And I, as I previously stated, no-knock search warrants, we don't do that. Uh, Chokeholds, we don't do that. And a level of continuous education for our law enforcement officers, we engage the peacekeepers, uh, which is previously, you know, sometimes they're returning citizens or they could be uh, members uh, of, of, of faith-based organizations. But we brought them in, paid them to train our officers that may not have a great understanding about uh, urban culture or different things, but we brought them in as a part of uh, the training policies and procedures uh, for our law enforcement officers inside the city of Flint. And we have a chief of police, much like myself, born and raised inside the city of Flint. You know, we, he and I uh, went to elementary school together, junior high school together, uh, high, um, and, you know, and then graduating high school, we went off to college and then we returned and we live right in the heart of Flint. And so we understand what that is, and we understand uh, our neighborhoods and our community, and so we are proactively engaging them every step of the way. The other thing you mentioned in the, in the last segment um, that I wanted to uh, get into a little bit was the um, uh, retirement obligation that the city has and and you gave that number i've heard you use that number before that there were four retirees for every working city employee which is is tough to maintain but you've reached a 60 percent point in in terms of of having uh, that that fund funded um can you explain what that 60 percent means and and what the prognosis is going for, going forward with uh, retirement benefits? Yeah, and what, what it is is that, you know, previously our, our funding level was around between 26% and 30% fluctuating in even good market years that we've had. And so with that funding level, uh, we have to make sure that we fill the gap. So we, we have to pay into our system, which is MERS, uh, as, as, our, as our retirement system. So our cost every year uh, that we had to pay into it, right now we currently are paying about $32 million a year into our retirement system. So that $32 million comes from the revenue that we generate, leaving us so many dollars to, to, uh, to put forth 
services for residents inside the city. So now uh, with that low funding rate, you know, our obligation goes up every year. So uh, we're looking at like next year, it would have been $40 million, <clears throat> probably fit more than 50% of the annual revenue that we collect. And so we just could not sustain that and provide services for residents. So it was a structural deficit. This has been on the trajectory for a very long time. No other administration uh, beyond mine has handled it. No other emergency management has handled it. Uh, these projections, if you go back, these things are on the wall and these are on the horizon. And since I've, I've been there, one of the things that we, we understood is that we had to take on that to provide a better stable uh, unit of government for residents inside the city of Flint. We, ch we tackled that. We challenged that. The only option that we could have had was uh, there's no way that you could cut th that level uh, of services. Uh, you can lose your whole police and fire department. And you still would not have enough to sustain yourself. Uh, you couldn't raise taxes that much. You know, the city of Flint pays far too much in taxes, uh, in my opinion, and we're working for uh, a resolution for that as well. But first we had to get that stabilized. So this uh, $220 million uh, that we petitioned uh, our state legislators and our state uh, government to be able to help and assist us with uh, was the only option uh, beyond be becoming insolvent. Uh, we worked in partnership. We hired consulting firms. We petitioned our state legislators, uh, John Cherry Jr., uh, Senator uh, uh, Jim Ananek, and uh, State Representative Cynthia Neely. They went to work very hard for our region, put through legislation. The legislation was granted. Our great governor, Gretchen Whitmer, uh, signed that, uh, delivering the most money to the city of Flint ever before. So that infusion of dollars puts us at a 60% rate, thus taking our obligation down from a potential $40 million to 19 million. And so those additional dollars can be put back into activity for uh, services for residents. Those are the real works the government is supposed to provide for you. Is that a long-term fix? It, it, it is. Well, we now we have to manage it. We have to manage it well to continue to be over that 60% and then try to uh, drive toward the goal of getting, becoming 100%. Yes, it's a long-term long fix, but you have to have the right people in position to be able to do those things. Uh, people with vision, not people preaching to your pain, your frustration, or your anger, but you have to have people with a plan and partnerships to be able to deliver services for the residents of this great city. And what, that's, the, that's what this race means here in the city of Flint now. What does that fix do for what has been a, a historic deficit? I mean, going back multiple administrations, the city of Flint has wrestled with coming up pretty much $20 million-ish in the whole every year um it has has that been virtually um the reasons for that recurring the, how much of that is fixed by fixing the retirement system well this can be this can be a a, a fix a total fix for us if we continue to push forward moving forward not not retracting and going backwards to those that don't have the, the political will or the mindset to be able to do so um, far too often, you know, we have the undertow, what I call passive uh, government corruption, that always, you know, looked at uh, ways to, to profit, you know, uh, picking the pockets of the poor, which I used to want to call it. But the thing of it is that, you know, um, we have been bruised and battered and have some contusions uh, as a community going through our water crisis and, and trying to get beyond it. But, you know, even the, the monies that come through our region over the last uh, seven years, more than a billion dollars has come through the city of Flint, and we're still 
working to get beyond our crises. Um, and when I say that, it's been multiple, as you uh, previously stated, with a pandemic, um, with other things. But we are working and doing things in, in, a, in a marvelous way on every level, you know, socially uh, engaging, job opportunities, uh, you know, working through our pension problem. And now we're able to get a good uh, grip on what we can do and moving forward. We've heard the, the cries of the public to reduce the cost of water, uh, to, in, to increase the level of social engagement, uh, to have diversification uh, in our, our, our uh, business opportunity areas. And so, you know, I'm proud to say, you know, on your show, it's not break, breaking news, but it's a current events that was moving forward that we are cutting the deal and we are selling uh, the third largest brownfield site in the state of Michigan, which is Buick City. We've done that. Uh, we, we deal. Um, uh, Ashley Capital was coming in to purchase the Buick City site, um, and we're uh, working the last bit of the details out, and that's going to provide about 3,000 to 4,000 in uh, this area, which is another game-changing piece, which speaks to the level of partnerships in which we were able to create through our two and a half years. You know, the uh, uh, primary election um, is coming up in just a little less than two weeks. And a lot of people are predicting that uh, you and former Mayor Weaver will come out of that and face each other uh, going in, going on to November in, in what a lot of people are calling a rematch. Will it be a rematch or will it be very different this time around? Well, well, the thing of it is, is that, you know, her record still is her record, right? My record uh, uh, is my record. People need to uh, move beyond uh, whatever, uh, you know, uh, false narratives are, are being promoted out there and look at the record. Uh, her record, you know, she lost with the, with the current record that she still has. Uh, the record that I have, we've done marvelous things uh, inside the city of Flint, uh, even through some traumatic times, you know. Uh, when I came into office, you know, we went to work on the 2020 census count. No work had been prepared or started in that direction to try to get a good, accurate count uh, moving forward. We, then we went uh, into a situation uh, very soon after the pandemic came down. I had to make very difficult decisions to save lives in Flint. As you remember, I, I put a curfew in the place. Uh, it was criticized by some, but many appreciated that. We had to reduce the level of crime in our community and also uh, save lives from people spreading that deadly virus. We went into building, and I say building, there was not but one person working in our blight division. We have built uh, a blight division that we're proud of. We had to buy lawnmowers. Those things did not uh, were, were not there prior to my arrival uh, in those departments. We had to continue to, with the level of partnership with our county, uh, working with them, uh, which yielded the largest demolition package in Genesee County's history, uh, working together. And so we are very proud of our record, and we're going to continue to talk about the record, and I want people to really review the record, um, which it is, and not get caught up um, with what I call the, the agents of misinformation, you know, because social media is different now, and you understand it as a man, and, and media itself, you know, radio and broadcast and television is different because everybody has uh, a camera, everybody has a, a opportunity to produce uh, a different type of narrative, but people need to examine the record. Uh, you know, and we have to really work hard for our next generation. Um, you know, kids, you know, will emulate what they do see, but they cannot uh, become what they cannot see. We've seen dysfunction on high levels. Uh, when you look at city council, you know, nine and 10 hour meetings, you know, battering and, and, and brutalizing each other. 
uh, people being removed from their seats, uh, lawsuits being engaged. You know, we cannot use that as as a model to show our children. But but we we, we went for it. Uh, I had uh, commissioned the statue of, of Floyd J. McCree, which is the first African American mayor elected in 1966 of a first, uh, you know of a major metropolitan city in America, the first. But we had no images elected of any African American in the city of Flint. And it's hard to believe that you know because we come from a place where we understand and know who Floyd J. McCree uh, is. But any person's born probably after 1990 think about when they think of Floyd J. McCree, they think of a building. Not, of, not as a man that perfected ordinances like open housing. Uh, we need to move in that direction. You know, soon we'll be naming uh, our fire station one after uh, Joe Davis Jr., which was the first African-American firefighter in the city of Flint in 1961. And he served in that, that capacity as the only African-American for seven years. And this is before civil rights. And so we have to really recognize that or the, the bus that we have now that, that, uh, in the Permley home uh, is at City Hall of women. Uh, women have made some tremendous strides. You know, we talk about Mrs. Eva Spencer. Uh, she's one of them, or Clarissa Shields, or Dr. Mona Hatisha, uh, or, or Mrs. Beasley. Uh, those bus now sit in City Hall. You know, when you come to City Hall, it should not be one of those situations you just come in to pay your water bill or your tax <coughs> or your taxes. But it should be an educational opportunity to see how far we come and where we're going. Uh, those things are real. The state park that's coming to the city of Flint, the old Chevy in the whole, uh, repurposing that property, um, uh, making sure that we have recreational opportunities, much like everybody else uh, in the county and also the state of Michigan. Uh, our governor has come uh, to be able to celebrate that. We were just together at the reopening of the Sloan Museum, uh, which is a wonderful place. If you have not been there, you need to go. Or the library. Things are changing and getting better every day as we move forward. Uh, you know when you said when you said that about people, uh, you know, young people especially not not knowing and remembering Mayor McCree um, and relating it to the McCree Building. I saw some high school kids touring uh, Applewood once, and when they mentioned that it was the home of the Mott family, they they wanted to know if that was like Mott Lake because <laughs> they didn't remember who C.S. Mott was. Right, right. You know, um, when we look at that, you know, we, it, it, it's a failure on our part if we're not educating the next generation and, and uh, providing opportunities uh, for them to do things, right? And so, you know, the, the vision, you know, people don't realize that Flint is the mo second most segregated city in Michigan uh, and the second most segregated county. And usually some people use the polarization of race, economics, uh, political party, to divide us. We are just one Flint. And when we come together, uh, we are at our greatest. And when we look at individuals that want to provide a divide, uh, you know, they're not really speaking to who we are as a community. You know, what defines Flint is how we rise. And I've been uh, speaking to that, not speaking to anger, malice, greed, or hate, but definitely we are speaking to, you know, our optimism, uh, our hopes and our dreams and our aspirations. Uh, and, our, and our imagination, because we can become what we can imagine uh, for us to be able to do, you know. But usually what happens is that, you know, um, in, in our town, people, um, they monetize the divide. And I've always said, you know, if you find out who benefits from you being divided, you understand your true enemy. Um, one of the things when we brought Ernst & Young in to talk about the American Rescue Plan dollars, it was a lot of opposition to bringing them in. 
But what this firm does is make sure that we operate in an environment where we are spending these dollars appropriately uh, by the rule set and the governance. We'll be able to track every dollar from its inception to its expiration. That is one of the guarantees I made so people can understand where these dollars went. The other dollars, you know, that came into town, uh, many people caught those dollars magical because they disappeared in the environment. People really couldn't see that, that operation on how those dollars actually benefited them. Um, but now we put a mechanism and a structure in place to say that we will uh, review, execute, and report back to the public where these dollars are coming in and where they're going. You know, we spent about $5 million on essential workers, you know, for our police officers, firefighters, other essential workers for city services during the pandemic portion. About $5 million of the ARPA dollars uh, went to that. $16 million went to that demolition project uh, that eliminating all blighted residential structures inside the city of Flint by 2024. That was populated and now turned into $46 million, but $16 million was our investment. We proposed another $8 million to be used in the form of water credits for residents so everybody can be positively touched, reducing their water costs by one-fourth in this year until we were able to go back to the drawing board to figure out how we can permanently reduce their, their water costs. Uh, and so, and then we use other dollars to recruit and attract uh, police officers inside the city of Flint. Those are all plans of action. Those are all structural pieces and that we put into position. And it's not talking about what I wanted to do, but it's talking about what we have done and accomplished. And so we want to make sure we continue to provide uh, the level of service that the people requested in our many multiple town hall meetings that we had across town where people had their, a level of input to be able to say where they wanted these dollars to go. And so, you know, so, so Tom, I'm so appreciative of the opportunity for us to be here talking about this to educate people on your radio broadcast about the reality of what it is. And I want people to pay acute attention to what is going on inside the city of Flint. We are moving forward in, in a positive way, uh, tackling all of our challenges, uh, not just talking about it. Uh, you know, and so that's why I'm, in, I'm encouraging people to review the records of all the people who are there, what has been done, what has been accomplished. Mayor, we just we just have a little over a minute left, and mm -hmm. I want to thank you for spending this time with me and the listeners. But also, as you know, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they might find out more. In this case, how they might reach you to get information or to ask questions or share their thoughts. Um, I, and I know you have a lot of different ways that people can do that, but is there something you can share right now, a website or a, a contact point? Well, they can go to the Facebook page right now because I'm uh, the other pieces uh, I'm lost on our new phone numbers for our campaign headquarters, but they can go to Mayor Sheldon A. Neely uh, on Facebook uh, inbox and somebody will respond uh, to them. I would encourage those individuals to keep things positive because we, we sit in a nation now, as you said earlier, that is a bullying nation and individuals, uh, you know, have, have digressed in some cases to uh, providing poor information or poor engagement. We don't respond to those things. But Mayor Sheldon A. Neely uh, on Facebook, they can get there. We can get them to the other information that they desire. But check. And look what's been performed and protected for residents inside. Well, thank you, Mayor, and, so uh, much, and keep I, up the good work. Well, thank you, and God bless you. Take care.
We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Loan Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee. Health plan with blood technology. My community college is pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner program is provided by Swiftlet Technology. 
engineering and IT services at swiftland.technology. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. The 35th President of the United States, John F. Kennedy, had frequently demonstrated a quick and ready wit. But his audience at the 1962 White House Correspondents' Dinner was unprepared for the high humor he revealed that night. It was shortly after his now-famous clash with the steel industry, in which the industry had announced and then rescinded a steel price increase. I have a few opening announcements. <laughs> First, the sudden and arbitrary action of the offices of this organization in increasing the price of dinner tickets by two... by $2.50 over last year constitutes a wholly unjustifiable defiance of the public interest. If this increase is not rescinded, but is imitated by the gridiron, radio, TV, and other dinners, it will have a serious impact on the entire economy of this city. In this serious hour in our nation's history, when newsmen are awakened in the middle of the night to be given a front-page story. <laughs> when expense accounts are being scrutinized by the Congress. When correspondents are required to leave their families for long and lonely weekends at Palm Beach. <laughs> the American people will find it hard to accept this ruthless decision made by a tiny handful of executives. <laughs> Whose only interest is the pursuit of pleasure. I am hopeful that the Women's Press Club will not join this price rise and will thereby force a rescission. I'm uh, sure... I speak in behalf of all of us in expressing our thanks and very best wishes to Benny Goodman and his group, to Miss Gwen Burden and Bob Force, Miss Sally Ann Howes, Mr. Reed, who has some talent, but. Uh... <laughs> and uh, Mr. Peter Sellers. I, I have arranged for them to appear next week on the United States Steel Hour. <laughs> Actually, uh, I didn't do it. Bobby did it, but uh, we're going <laughs> Like uh, members of Congress, I have been, during the last few days over the Easter holiday, back in touch with my constituents and uh, seeing how they felt. And frankly, I've come back to Washington from Palm Beach, and I'm against my entire program. We're just... We're just
really feel that the only hope in 64 is to, uh, on the Republican ticket, is to nominate uh, Barry. But to be honest, I thought that before I went to Palm Beach. <laughs> we are glad to have the Prime Minister tonight. Last night he was the guest of the publishers, and again he is tonight. We want him to know... Uh, How welcome he is. Lord Dunsany, a distinguished Irishman, said many years ago, to fight England is to fight faith. And I choose to believe in 1962, to be associated with England in a great cause is to be associated with faith. Prime Minister, we are proud to have you here again. We are... I think I speak on his behalf in saying that after having been in the hands of 1,400 members of the press for over four hours, we haven't got a single complaint. Thank you. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
In a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July A super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus And if you got a better cough in your arm And if you got a better... <coughs> now back in 1918, influenza had its run But half the docs were busy overseas with World War I Today we have mass media and scientists to say If you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away Super damn important that we practice isolation Cause we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation It's super damn important that we practice isolation If we don't do it then we're all gonna die If we don't do it then we're all gonna die And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start If you get bored just think of the immunocompromised Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilised Oh super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus If we don't act quick and social distance it will mire us In a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July A super bad, transmittable Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. You pilots, get off my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? 
Go on! Go on, get out of here! <laughs>